Welcome to another edition of Mind Your Autistic Brain. In this segment, Dr. Ali Arena from Ali Arena Communications and I are gonna be going into communication styles. And she has four that she has identified and she's even given them some pretty cool names that are gonna help us understand and identify what our communication styles are, what the communication styles of another person are, how to maybe how to identify and navigate those. And we're gonna dive in deep on two of these today. And the other two we're gonna be going into a little bit more in the coaching cafe. Hi, I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late-identified autistic by unveiling who you are, what you love, creating balance, and being the leader and creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. We say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Ubuntu. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome, Allie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Me too, because this is really, this is your area. This is your thing. This is your jam, my friend. And oh, I, I love, love it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, we all do, but I think it's, it's the fear and all the things that go into about, oh, well, people have said, I don't necessarily communicate well, or, you know, they seem to be offended when I say things and that's my communication style. So I love that we're talking about these things today. I love that we are too. And I love that, um, the autistic community is really rallying and kind of talking about how there is an autistic communication style. We're not going to totally get into that one with these, but I think that is really important because that's where that idea of like, well, you didn't respond. So you must not like me in the neurotypical world, but an autistic person might just be processing. It has nothing to do with you. Um, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And how that can get so misunderstood. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, and I hope it continues to happen is just that people have communication differences, people have cognitive differences. So for you to assume something, you're kind of just going to hurt yourself. The chances of that person really disliking you or not liking what you're saying is pretty slim. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's just, it really is. It's just like this fear. You're, I would just, until I, I came into the autistic community and found other people who communicate in the same way that I do, I, I didn't even realize how different I my communication style is until I found other people that I could communicate with and it wasn't like so much work. <laughs> like communicating with other autistic people is super easy. Communication with, with the rest of the world, it, it takes more work for me. <laughs> I, I, yes, I can. Like, I don't know if I can totally empathize, but I can sympathize. When I first started um, dating my partner, he is more, he's structured, he's an engineer, and he likes all the details. I didn't realize that I basically gave no details. I told people like what we were doing, because that's all I needed to move forward on something, that good dopamine of ADHD, right? I don't need all the details. And sometimes I re- it does feel a little bit like a, a labor to give him all the details. Cause I just don't think that way. So we've really learned to sort of be like, can you fill in some of these or do I have to give you the who, what, when, where, why? Um, oh, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> you know, and I, I, 
I think that's one of the things that that really makes what we're doing in the coaching cafe special is because, you know, you have this partner and you're ADHD and, and he, you both have different communication styles. You know, and Josh and I are the same way. And it's so funny because my research partner, Wilson, puts it this way. He said, Josh has this energy that's like a little tiny solar panel. And Carol Jean, your energy is like the giant nuclear power plant. So you have to just in that same knowledge yeah. and the communication is like, I want to like, go, go, go. And I'm like, hey, you want to go do this, this and this. And when he says, no, I really just want to stay home and like just chill on my Xbox today. I just need a down day. And before I knew that, the communication that I was taking out of that is like, I don't want to go spend time with you. Yes. I'm offended that you aren't. I, I'm the same way. I would be like, I don't understand. I thought of this fun idea and now you don't want to do it with me. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. It's so just like knowing these things. And, and I love that that's part of what we're digging into. So Allie, what are the four communication styles that, that you have and kind of touch on them defining kind of like, what are they? Yeah. So we have the director. So think like, um, leader, CEO, right. Very direct, straightforward. Um, they definitely will delegate quickly, they're probably not really looking at nonverbal communication. Um, you know, they want to be heard. They want to be appreciated and sort of moving up is a big source of their communication. That's a lot of why they're communicating. They want to move up in either the relationship or the company or wherever they are. And then we have a mode called the disregarder. So this person could be very independent. They might be a little bit of a perfectionist, um, they are uncomfortable with conflict. They'll probably avoid conflict. They're not always adding emotional value to a conversation, but they would probably be adding a lot of factual value. Um, they might have some past trauma, which makes it hard to listen. Like maybe people have told them before, like that they've done something wrong in communication. So they're kind of in their head about that. And it's hard for them to listen. Um, they might be quick to defend themselves and repetitive. Um, then we have the captivator. So this person's very understanding, they're empathetic, they use a lot of humor, um, they have courage to speak, meaning they will speak if something is um, not okay or out of boundary for them. They like to ask curious questions, their words add value, um, they listen to understand and they listen for curiosity and they take full responsibility of their words. And then our last mode is the listener which I think we're going to get into the listener more today, Carol Jean, but this person tends to um, conceal their feelings and honest opinions. So like, you know, do I look fat in this? They might be like, no way, you're gorgeous. Um, even though it really doesn't look that good on the person. Um, they're not going to gossip. They, um, they do need time and space to think. They try to communicate with respect and they have an unbelievable awareness for their communication partner but not always for their own communication. They, they wouldn't really speak their mind because they wouldn't want to be seen as rude. Oh boy. I think so yeah. many people have just identified <laughs> with what if at least one or two of those pretty heavily. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I highly doubt anyone is like, Oh, I'm a hundred percent this. And I have no qualities of the other one. They do overlap. It's just kind of what your, your leading mode might be. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that really makes understanding our communication style because we're kind, we're like woven fabric. We have these weft and weaves that overlap, 
you know, we don't always have one specific style of communication. You're not like cookie cuttered in it. You're more like, well, you know, this part is, is a bit of the listener and this part can be a disregarder in these situations. And so being able to sort of identify and know how you're communicating in those situations. Cause like when stress gets really high, yeah. Ooh boy, I'm going to avoid some conflict. I'm going to really get into that. But the rest of the time I'm, I'm listening to try and understand what's happening. Yes. Or even, I just thought about this, like time of day. So it's, um, it's like six 30 in the morning here right now. I would not have an intense conversation with my partner. He's not even awake. I could have the clearest conversation with someone right now. Um, so I think your modes could also change, but like after 7 PM, I'm like grunting at him. Like I'm barely using words and he's like, do you want to plan our whole schedule for the week? So, you know, also looking at that, like, can your styles change at certain times in the day? Oh, Allie, see, this is why I love these conversations. That is totally genius. <laughs> like right now, it's it's early here. Josh is still asleep. And it's like, even when he's up, it's like, give me at least two hours before we have okay. any kind of a serious conversation. And I wake up and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about all the things. Totally. He wants to like kill me every Saturday morning. I'm like, okay, so we can do all these chores and we go to all these places. He's like, I'm rolling out of bed. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally. <laughs> So Allie, let's talk about the listener a little bit. Go okay. ahead and kind of give us some, some, give us the inside scoop on the listener. Okay. So again, all of these are sort of just generalizations of what I've seen. So if it, this doesn't sound like you don't, don't be offended by anything I'm saying, but this tends to be a lot of the women I know. Mm -hmm. um, and a few reasons. The listener is someone again, who is listening. They really care about their communication partner. They don't ever want to come across as rude or confrontational. They're often thinking about what their um, nonverbal communication looks like. Um, and they're very, they're cautious. They're calm. I mean, they're the, the girlfriend that you want to call about a problem and they're really just going to give you space and listen. However, you might not leave that discussion with some real advice. It might just be a lot of reflective uh-huh kind of conversation. Um, and this is the person that might erupt at some point because they're never really giving an opinion or saying what they mean. So um, Carol G, we were talking a few weeks ago and we were joking about sushi. So this is really a little example, but like, you know, a listener might get asked out on a date and someone might be like, let's get sushi. And let's say your likeness of sushi, I don't know, it was like 40, 50%. You're like, all right, I could have a roll. But you don't say anything about how you feel about sushi. So then the next Friday, they're like, oh, let's do another sushi place. You don't say anything. But really, let's say that you're like, I want pizza and beer, which couldn't be further from sushi in a lot of ways, right? So, right. and then that happens a few more times. And then all of a sudden, there's a night where you're just like, I don't want sushi. And the other person's like, what are you talking about? We've had sushi for the last five Fridays. Like I thought that's what we did. And it's just never been voiced. Um, and a lot of times the listener would kind of be like, yeah, but like you like that. I know it makes you happy. Um, so there becomes this unevenness sometimes, and that can happen in communication uh, every day. Right. So if you're a listener, you might ask your partner or your friends or something, how was your day? They might go on and on. You might ask questions, be a really good but then when they ask you, you might say something like, oh, it was fine or it was good and give no detail. So you haven't really been able to have an exchange that might feel good for you. Oh, man, that's so good. So 
you got my brain going on this. Seriously, you got my brain going on this so, <laughs> so hard. You know, I think when we're talking about relationship styles, because, you know, we have communication styles, but then we also have those types of relationships. And that's right. sort of, you know, I'm going to tie this in a little bit right here to kind of give everybody a feel for what we'll be doing in the coaching cafe. So this sometimes falls into that false good connection relationship that we can have. So like the benefit of being a listener or identifying your friend as a listener is to know when, if you've got a particular need, like if you need to go to somebody that's just gonna give you space just to let you get it out and talk, the listener is the person you wanna choose because you're not looking for solving the problem in this particular point. You just need to get it out and have somebody to like be receptive and just listen, right? Absolutely. So, so being able to identify your listener friend is real important. And, and it's good to have all different varieties of communication friends, right? And different Absolutely. personalities. And being able to do that is like, that's the that's the benefit. That's the win-win when you can really start to use these in a different way. But when we're talking about our relationship types, sometimes the listener can be somebody that's a people pleaser. Boy, this was so me. I was the super people pleaser. Absolutely. And we, and I was too, and I wore it like a badge of honor. I'm so nice. I do everything for other people. And I was very burnt out. Then (laughs) seeing that you just said the key word right there. This is where, when you have, when you're not aware of your communication style, when you're not aware of what type of relationships you're establishing, because you can establish those false good relationships. The ones that feel really good, they're like, you got that person that's like the yes person. They don't tell you no, they don't tell you the hard truth kind of stuff. There's no friction or drama in that relationship. So it feels easier, but under the surface, there's a lot of stuff that starts building up. Like you mentioned, it's like, you go for five weeks. We've had sushi every Friday. I thought we were loving this. We're all having a good time. And you're just like, I'm not going for sushi. What is wrong with you? I'm so sick and tired of freaking sushi. And you're like, you know, throwing stuff at this point. Right. And then you're (laughs) shamed because people are like, whoa, you just erupted. Like it's, you almost put yourself in a position where you can get gaslit even easier because it's just like, they're like, what happened? Um, and then you go into like, well, I didn't communicate it. So I guess they're right that I'm yeah. Because you feel you, everybody else perceives this as you just went from zero to 60 in a hot second. Mm -hmm. And for you, it's been like this slow, simmering, gradual burn for weeks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. Such a good one. All right. What's our next big one? So our next one is the disregarder, which I'm going to be honest, I'm still... we should do a brainstorm. You're, you're so good at business and, but the name, I I want a different name, but so this is a person who, again, they're typically pretty anxious. They have perfectionistic qualities. Um, and it's normally is a little bit due to past trauma, like something about them made them really want to protect their communication. Mm -hmm. Um, so they might have a lot of one-sided communication in the sense that they'll go to the person and sort of get what they need. Um, It could be in like an interview format. Like they might ask a lot of questions about what they need for a project at work or, you know, details to go do something and then leave. They're not really a person that's asking a lot of questions. They're not really a person that's seeing communication as a way to connect. It's more a way, again, to get what they need. And the need is typically facts. They want facts about whatever situation is going to occur. 
Um, they're pretty quick to defend themselves. Again, I think that's due to some trauma. Um, and they really want to get their point across in a conversation. However, they're not someone that's going to be starting like a, a, a fight or anything like that. They're not a, like a confrontational person, but they're definitely someone who might try to sneak the last word in and um, annoy other people, but they might not even be aware they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not really listening for like a curiosity standpoint. Again, they're listening to get whatever fact. So in a lot of this person, extremely good for like completion of projects, right? Like they're going to get the things done because they're getting what they need from conversations. However, this person is normally left with um, sort of a, a shallower connection with most people they're communicating with, because even when they are communicating, they're not really sharing about themselves. They might just share like, oh, that's what I did to, I don't know, get to the next level in this video game or to do this work project. Like these are the factual steps I took. So it's really just um, not a lot of emotion within the language, either to the, from them or listening for their communication partner. Oh, I could see myself in this one too. <laughs> oh yeah, I time for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially before I knew I was autistic, because I thought that was the whole purpose of communication. I thought it was just about exchanging necessary information for me to either operate and go forward with what I needed to know, or to take in the information that I needed to, to execute something. And all that fluff and stuff in between, and the unspoken communication, and all the feelings and all that stuff that just jumbled up and messed up all my facts. I, I, yes. And I've heard that from so many people I worked with. And again, you know, I don't think it's until I was diagnosed with ADHD that it's, and you've talked about this, it's this really cool process of like, oh, wow, so much of this stuff is just stuff I heard. So when people would say that to me, I'm like, I don't get it. What do you mean? But now I'm like, oh, I do. I understand. Like I, I do so many things in conversation because I think I'm supposed to not because it's like, what yeah. Um, Yes. I've heard my favorite line ever from someone I work with. He, uh, he was, he was working in a really like fast paced startup tech company, like doing amazing. But he came to me because they wanted him to become a manager. And he was like, I don't actually want to talk to people. And so he was like, he was like, I don't understand. Why aren't people just getting to the data point? And I was like, yes. Okay. I get it. Like that's your that's your lens of conversation. Like, just give me the data. I don't want to do this fluffy stuff around that. Um, and the, and that I should actually put this in there. I think the captivator probably often does have, um, or I'm sorry, the disregarder often has like an auditory processing or like a processing component going on because that's why it's so, yes, that's why it's so key to get that information. It's like, I can't hold all your additional information. Oh, Allie, thank you so much for adding that last point because I'm put I, that in my Google document right now. <laughs> please, please add that one because that's that's just like so, yes. such a genius insight because I do have a bit of an auditory processing delay. So for you guys who aren't sure if you have one, let me give you an example. Somebody says something and you immediately say what? But then two seconds to three seconds later, as they're starting to answer, you're like, oh, never mind. I got it. All of a sudden, it's like it, it processes. Well, that's such a good way to describe it. Yeah. You may have one too. <laughs> and you know, or, that's a really good point. <laughs> I don't know if you, so I, I definitely, um, 
I have processing something. I don't know what I have, but <laughs> sometimes you would think I could diagnose that, but I'm like, I don't know. I also do the, I'll initially say no, which is kind of a bad habit. And then like four seconds later, I'm like, oh wait, yeah, no, I did do that. And my partner's like, you just told me you did it, but I have oh, to. Oh so my gosh. I do that too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying no. That's my, that's my gut. It's not what it's no. <laughs> it's like, I know. I, I, I used to do that really bad. And I, I started to catch I, myself. And, and that's like why I love that we're having this conversation. Cause it's like somebody out there is like, oh my gosh, I do that too. So now that we've pointed it, now that we've talked about it, somebody's yeah. going to go, okay, so now I know that I do that. I'm going to catch myself and I'm not yes. going to be like the immediate no response. It, it, it's all about those habits because it does become a habit too. That's it's part of yes. how we, we just like, my first defense is like, nope, I don't know. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> but you know, it's, I, there's this, there's a really great analogy for this that I, I like to use is think about a measuring cup, you know, like a little one cup measuring cup. This is how I, you know, with auditory information sometimes and, and definitely why someone who um, might be more of the fact, the fact person, you're your factor here. Um, and you're more of the fact person. And you're like, give me just the facts, ma'am. And, and it's not because you don't want to have that emotional connection. It's just that you can't onboard that much information. So really, you're just looking for the highlights. You're looking for the important data points, because that's really what you can take in. Because you may have this little one cup measuring cup, and everybody else has got this giant gallon jug of information and they're pouring it in and you can only fill up eight ounces of liquid in your one cup measuring cup but you got you know a huge gallon and they just keep pouring so everything's just flowing out and i'm like i'm just trying to hold on to at least understand what's yes. important here and all this other stuff is just overflowing and at a certain point you're like i have no more resources and your ears literally stop hearing and processing it's just like charlie brown's teacher wah, wah, wah. it's it's so true and i um you know i i totally can relate to that um analogy and one of the things my partner and i started doing is i would literally now i will say it out loud let's say if we're in a disagreement or something i'll be like babe i hit the point where i'm not listening to you and we had to work on a lot on that right it's not like i'm not listening to you because i don't love you I'm not listening to you because I can't, I literally can't take in what you're saying. Like, can we take five? Can I write down what I'm thinking? Cause that's what gets hard too, right? Like you're in an argument so that I have all my, my comebacks, my thoughts, my emotions. I'm trying to hold those in my brain and that he's telling me things. Um, so yeah. And I think we'll probably go into this in the coaching cafe, but this is why holidays can feel really intense because it is kind of a lot of BS, fluff talk, which can be lovely too. But sometimes people are just telling stories where there really isn't data or that much of a point. So if you're constantly searching for it, it can feel really tiring. It can. And, you know, as part of the relationship connection side of this, if, if this is you, if this is your communication style, if you are starting to identify, oh man, that's me, that's, that's how I onboard information. Maybe you've also noticed that people tend to, on the receiving side, looking from the outside into this or experiencing this communication style with you, feel like you're not listening to them, feel like you're not hearing what they're trying to 
convey to you on an emotional level that you don't listen well, that you don't hear them, or that you completely dismiss their feelings because you're always just looking for the, just the facts, ma'am, because you just, it's not that you don't want to, it's just that in that moment or in that not being aware of that, you're onboarding just what you can manage and you don't realize it. And so, you know, this is one of those relationship things is how does this come into our connection our, and our, how, how do we utilize this communication style and move into creating those true connection relationships where we're letting our partner know this is a, let's find a way that we can communicate so that we're both getting heard and understood and I'm not overwhelming you. Yes. Oh, that's so important. I'm not overwhelming you. And then also, yeah, like, um, I work a lot with people on, um, picking what mode they want to be in. I'm still figuring out the wording, right. But like sort of what, um, mask or identity you want to, you can put on for that moment kind of thing. Right. So for holidays, you might have to put on your like emotion mask. And one of the things I'll do with people is kind of like, it's almost like a drill. Like I'll, I'll tell them my weekend. I'll be like, try to find any emotion out of it. Cause I used to, I would tell a, a client like, um, Oh, my dog went to the hospital over the weekend. And then their response would be what type of dog do you have? Right. And I'd be like, I have a whip it, but the bigger thing is she went to the hospital. So maybe is your dog. Have, okay. Like, right. Like what happened? So, but that's a, I mean, and I think when you I tell someone like, no, that's just a skill that you're not seeing you can choose to develop it or not and then use that lens when you want I think that's like a way better way to to look at that like it is something that you can develop you just don't have and you don't have to do it all the time it could just be something that you keep in your back pocket to use right and I could totally see that in that situation asking what kind of dog is part of gaining that data that information because if I know what kind of dog then when I ask you the next question which is what happened or how is your dog then I've got this visual image because you know for those of us who are visual thinkers then I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to envision the whippet and go okay so you know they've got really delicate little long legs and if so if something happened and it's their leg then I can envision and really be able to connect with and understand what you're telling me about that happened to your dog, right? But if I don't know that communication style of my person and they say, well, what kind of dog is it? You know, I'm thinking, what the hell is wrong with you? My dog is in the hospital, he got hit by a car, you know? And you think the first thing they're gonna ask is how are they? But instead of being mad, and instead of getting your feelings hurt or upset with the person, you can go, oh, it's a whippet. And then you know that they're just trying to gain that data to understand because they're a visual thinker and they need to know what kind of dog you have so that they can understand what happened. Right. And then actually this person's probably going to be the one that shows the most empathy about the situation. That too, just helping those like first one or two questions, unfortunately, dictate a lot about a conversation. So okay, that is important though, because for the person that asked what type of dog you have and got a weird face, maybe back from the other person, now they can sort of see why that weird face happened, but also like for themselves, like, no, I wasn't, that wasn't me being rude. Like I needed that information to process what, what's going on. 
That's what I love about this is knowing what types of communication styles there are, not just for ourselves and that, that can vary based on the day. And, and it's, you know, it's a seasonal thing too in your life because mm -hmm. our, our communication styles evolve. They change depending on the stress that's happening in your life. Sometimes you don't have the spoons just to put all the fun things in. Sometimes you're just like, just give me the stuff and just don't tell me anything else other than what I need to know. Cause I just don't have it. That's my household right now. We're what a week and a half from getting married. I'm just like facts, babe. I just, and then I'm going to go up to my office and do stuff. You're like, I have literally like a millimeter of space left in my cup and that's all I can take. That's it. Yeah. I love it. And, and guys, that's really, this is where we're going to help you not only just identify your communication styles and, and what those combinations can be, but also for instances like this where you can recognize in someone else what their communication style might be in the moment because, you know, everybody's at a different stage and being able to identify that will allow you to look back and go, okay, so I'm not going to immediately respond to the fact that they just wanted to know what kind of dog I had when I was telling them my dog was hurt or was in the hospital. I'm going to give them a second because that might just be the data they need to collect in order to ask me the next question. So it allows us not to just to give ourselves allowances in space, but it allows us to give allowances in space to those that maybe we're getting into a relationship with and kind of help us learn and communicate more effectively one to another. I think just the la last point of this, because it kind of just came to me, this is such a valuable conversation, I think, for parents of teenage kids to hear, because i that's a big, big complaint I get from parents is, you know, my child's just not, they're asking questions that feel like off or like it doesn't feel like relevant for what's happening. Um, and I think just understanding like why your child needs the information and then seeing what happens. So I think you know, like what kind of dog do you have? The person says a whip it. And then the conversation kind of gets weird. So they're never seeing what would happen two questions later. Cause for all, you know, this person actually is like, Oh, I, did you know that greyhounds are universal blood donors? And actually like uh, if the whip it got hit by a car, it'd be really okay because the blood will blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so the info dumper. Yes. That, that yeah. would be so many of us. <laughs> but in that situation, actually, like for me personally, that would be, I would be comforted by that info dump. That would actually be really helpful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think that's why this is just such a great place to have a conversation about these things. Cause this is like, it's not just something that really impacts the autistic world. This impacts humanity. Humanity yeah. is all about our communication. We all communicate differently. Yes. And we do. Everyone does. And in having the tools set and having sort of the insight this is sort of like this is the handbook this is the handbook that no one ever gave <laughs> never you. got ali ali and i are put together and sharing the handbook <laughs> in our language yeah yeah and hopefully we're doing some translations in here we're trying to do not just our language but we're translating into four and five other languages so that we can try and help each and every one of you guys have these same resources and tools that we have discovered for ourselves as autistic ADHD humans and how we've learned to navigate relationships in the world in a way that's so much less stressful, in a way that really opens up because that's been the, sorry, <clears throat> that's been the biggest thing for me is that it's opened up a whole new world because I love people. I've always loved people. They fascinate me. But I was in such a wounded place and I was in such an afraid and shamed place because I was the response from the world because I hadn't figured out communication or understood communication. 
I was, I felt really alone. I felt like I didn't do it right. Like I just was constantly offending people or they were just like, what is wrong with her? She overshares and all this kind of stuff. And to get to this place, to have this tool set and these different uh, translations and understandings has opened up an entire new world where I'm communicating and connecting with people and being able to share my joy and my love and be able to onboard that from other people has just been life-changing. Yeah. I think, you know, when you figure out how you communicate and that other people communicate differently, that's like, you know, the first step. I feel like some people that really, there is an awareness that people communicate differently than you. You just, your ability to be curious is so much more, it feels safe. Right. And also your ability to recognize, oh, okay. That person might actually be like a little too direct for me. That's going to hit a wound it's probably not worth, um, you know, being maybe in a lot of conversations with like, I, there's a few people in my life who they're, they're family members and they're just, they are big CEOs. They do a lot of things. And the, I find their communication style, like a little abrasive and demeaning. And again, that's my perception. But now that I know that, like I can keep those conversations shorter. I'm definitely not going to be vulnerable because I don't actually want their opinion. You know, like it just helps you to pick how you want to communicate. It really does. And it helps you also identify those people in your life. So when you need that particular kind of communication, like they're the people that are the directors, when you've got a, a problem that you need solved and you don't want all the stuff and you just want like the direct answer and you want somebody that's going to like find the stuff that's going to be the barrier and, you know, all that kind of thing you know to go to that person and they're going to serve you in that and you know going into the conversation you know kind of you can buffer your heart a little bit on this and don't take it personally they're looking to help you solve a problem they're just not going to do the you know fluffy stuff to soften the delivery (laughs) and that I love that because they are helping you solve a problem so that's another thing too we sometimes perceive what people are doing as like not kind or or But actually a lot of times, especially with the autistic population, when I'm working with them, they might give feedback or, or say something to me that in the moment I'm like, Ooh, that, that was a little rude. But then when I take a second, I'm like, Oh, Whoa, you just basically told me the way I was marketing. Something was completely inaccurate and changed the entire way I would do business. Right. And they meant it that genuinely, like it wasn't meant to be rude, but you have to take a second and really look at the information they're telling you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I always talk about, we have a choice and Mm -hmm. life is always choice. And we can either choose that people operate with ill intent or we choose Mm -hmm. that people operate with good intentions. It's true. And we can choose how we respond in our perspective based on how we choose to onboard all those things from the start. (laughs) Allie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing these beautiful four communication styles with us. We talked about the listener. We talked about the director. We talked about the captivator. And we're working on this one because I don't know if we're going to call maybe the factor or the, or maybe we're factor, fact finder. I don't know. Well, yeah, we're going to work on that one, but definitely, you know, not we're working on this disregarder for right now. (laughs) Maybe you guys might come up with the perfect term. How about you? Make sure you comment below, send us, send us a message on either Instagram or uh, on the show notes, you know, on, on YouTube, make a comment, make a suggestion for who you think we 
we should be terming this. What kind of good coin phrase? Because I'm like, I'm picturing like a big fortress, like a wall, you know, and where it's just sort of like stuff coming in and we'll shoot stuff over the wall, but we just want the facts mm. kind of this thing. This is why I love your brain. I had no visualization for these, these words. See, I like that. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I love doing stuff together because you always come up with like terms and phrases and things and I'm like, I'm <laughs> picturing them and they're so good. So guys, thanks for joining us. We're so glad that you're here and we can't wait. We hope that you're in there with us. Make sure that you've gone in, gotten signed up and you are in and on board to start the Coaching Cafe because we're going to be taking these communication styles. We're going to be helping you apply them in your relationships right now, helping you identify because you might not be sure and you're like, I got this person in my life and this is what's happening and I have no clue what their communication style is. I just know this isn't working. We're going to help you identify those. So make sure you're in there. Make sure you're signed up. Make sure you're going to be in that small custom cafe for coaching. We love it. Thanks, Allie. Thank you. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.